All right, grab out your Bibles and something to take some notes with. We believe in taking notes here at Victory. We believe it is our highest calling to take notes. Come on, somebody. We are going to take some notes. And one day I will convince you to take them. If you like fill in the blank, you can pull up the Victory Church app on your phone. So nobody knows. If people think you're playing games on your phone, you're taking notes, all right? So that's just give you a little out there. So go ahead and pull that up. Got all the verses and the fill in the blank points. Everything we'll cover today is there for you in the VHC app. Uh, on iOS and Android and every other type of platform there is. All right, so they wanted me to put that out for you. We're continuing in our summer series called Summer at Victory. And just to kind of introduce you, if you're new to Victory, uh, we study the Bible in series throughout the year. So we might pick a particular topic and see what the Bible has to say about it. We might do a character study of someone in the Bible or a book study where we go verse by verse through the different chapters all throughout the year. But in the summer, we kind of take this all-encompassing series. And each week we talk about something that maybe doesn't need an entire series on its own, but still good for us to address, still good for us to talk about, see what the Bible has to say about that. And so we're striking out in a little bit different of a direction today. I'll give you the theme verse. It's out of Proverbs. And watch this. Solomon writes, and he says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing that you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. And so Solomon is writing this in Proverbs. And just to give you a little backstory for Solomon's life, Solomon is known as the wisest king who ever lived. If you haven't learned about his story or read anything, Solomon's the wisest king. It says that people all over the world would come. All the kings and leaders of the time would seek an audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. That they'd come from all over the world to listen to Solomon, to hear the wisdom. And so you would think, well, of course Solomon would value wisdom because he had a whole lot of it. But Solomon was not always that way. In fact, when David introduces Solomon to the kingdom, David, you can read the speech David gives. Basically, he throws Solomon out in front of them and he says, here's my son. He's untested. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's kind of a little bit soft, if you were honest with each other. He doesn't know how to do anything. He doesn't know how to fulfill God's purpose in his life. Here he is, everybody. Be nice to him. And so David throws him out there in front. So Solomon, after this wonderful introduction, Solomon goes to the Lord. It says the first thing he does after being anointed, after sacrificing a thousand bulls on the altar, after having all the hoopla of the day, the first thing Solomon does is he goes in prayer to the Lord. And he prays this prayer that makes him famous. Because God comes to him that night after the anointing. Solomon's like 21 or 22 years old here, just to give you context. God appears to him and says, ask for whatever you want me to give to you. How many know if you ask somebody in college right now, if you want one thing in the world, I'll give it to you. And Solomon answers in a way, probably I or you, probably we would not answer in this way. Solomon answers God. He says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I can lead these people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. God himself comes to Solomon and says, ask anything you want. There's no strings attached. This isn't some hyper-spiritual thing. He says, if you want something, ask for it. And Solomon says, give me wisdom and knowledge to fulfill this thing you've called me to do. He asks him for that. And God is so impressed by this answer. God says, because you didn't ask for all the things that other people run after, wealth and fame and all those things you want, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you all those other things as well. You didn't ask for them. You didn't want those things. You asked for what was right in my sight to fulfill what I called you to do. But I'm going to give you all those things anyways as an extra. And he basically said all the pursuits in life that everybody else wants. And so, of course, Solomon then writes, getting wisdom is the most important thing that you can do. Because honestly, everything else feeds out of that. Because the definition of wisdom is to be able to apply the knowledge that you have. 
Because we got a lot of knowledge in today's world, everybody. There is a lot of knowledge in the culture. We are the most interconnected generation that's ever been on the face of the... But we can seek out all the knowledge we want, but there's not a lot of wisdom. There's a whole bunch of knowledge, not a lot of actual wisdom. Because we can seek out the knowledge, but a lot of times we still don't know what to do. We can look up a lot of things, but we still don't know how to apply that or how to do it. And so Solomon asked of God to give wisdom. And so Solomon becomes very famous in the Bible because of this wisdom. He becomes very famous because he has this, this job as king that when they couldn't figure something out, so at the very lowest level, it would work its way up through the, the hierarchy. If they couldn't figure out a problem, they would bring it to Solomon. And if they couldn't figure out anything, they would bring it to Solomon and they would, they would ask him to weigh on the matter. And so shortly after he is crowned king, Solomon's sitting on his throne and these two women come before him. And they ask him to solve a matter. And they ask him to, to begin to, to show his wisdom that he has. If he's so wise as the king. do those. These two women come before him and they live in the same house. And each one of them had a child. And then tragically, one of them rolled over on their baby during the night, killed the child. And now they're trying to decide whose one is still alive, whose child is still there. So they bring him before the king. And Solomon couldn't really look at the baby and try to figure out, okay, well, it looks like you. Because let's just be honest, everybody. When my kids were born, they looked like aliens. Come on, somebody. They just, like an infant. I'm not talking about your infant, mine, all right? My kids just look like, and so if we're just honest with each other, right? They just, they just don't look. I know we say nice things. We come to the hospital and we say, it looks like your mom or it's got the cheekbones or whatever it is. It's not everybody, all right? It's, it just doesn't. We, we just, honestly, they're not all that attractive according to every man on the planet. Now you women are like, oh, that's mean. That's just, they're beautiful. They're, and that's fine for you to think, all right? It just is what it is. It's just the thing. But Solomon couldn't look at the baby and be like, it looks a little bit more like you. And so it was very difficult to decide this. And so he says, all right, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Bring me, and check this out, bring me a sword. And so I asked them to bring me a sword this morning. And what I got, everybody, was a lightsaber. Come on, somebody. It just didn't, it didn't quite out. So Solomon's about 21, 22 years old here. And he's like, here's how we're going to decide this thing. Bring me a sword. And we're going to chop this baby in half. Now, that does not sound like a very nice or wise king, everybody. That does not sound, that sounds like the king of the frat party. Come on, somebody, the drunken king of... Solomon's like, we're going to chop this baby in half and then you'll be happy and we'll chop it in half and you'll be happy. Everybody be equal. Parents, you ever do this? Like kids are fighting over like it's my toy. No, it's my toy. No, it's my... I will flush the toy down the toilet and then nobody has it, right? And we will all be happy. Nobody? Parents, come on, where are you at? Nobody ever had this, this dilemma? But Solomon's like, we're going to chop this baby in half and then we'll all be happy. And the other woman is like, no, no, no. Don't do it. But the first woman's like, yeah, yeah, chop it in half. Give us both halves. We'll all be happy. But the second one was like, no, it doesn't matter. Don't, don't do it. Don't hurt the child. Let that woman raise it. Let the child stay alive. Let it be. And Solomon says, the woman who fought for the life of the child is the true mother. And to us, we read that story and we think, well, yeah, it's obvious. It, it's, it's obvious how we could. Of course, the woman that fought for the life of the child, of course, that's the true mother. But that's what wisdom does. Wisdom takes a difficult decision. Wisdom takes a difficult situation and it makes the answer obvious. And we don't really realize it until wisdom has been applied. Because I guarantee you, those of us on the throne, we wouldn't have said, bring me a sword. We would have figured out what to do. We'd be hiding behind the throne. But Solomon, in his wisdom, was able to determine what to do. Because wisdom takes a complex issue and it makes it easy. It's a situation where we would need wisdom and insight. We all have moments in life where we have to ask God for wisdom where we don't know what to do. I promise you, if you haven't had one yet, you will have moments in life where you don't know what to do. 
We're going to talk a little bit about that today because we may stress and we ask God these questions. God, who am I supposed to marry? And God will bring wisdom and make the answer obvious. We say, God, I don't know how to raise these kids that you gave me. And God will bring wisdom and make the answer obvious. We say, God, I don't know if we're a dog family or a cat family. And God will say, you don't even have to pray about that. Come on, I will give, I will give Pastor Ben wisdom and he will make the answer obvious to you. He will do... We pray for these things and we ask God and he makes the answer obvious with wisdom. So our theme verse again says, this is out of the New International Version. The beginning of wisdom is this, get it, get wisdom. The beginning of it is to get it, though it costs all you have. Get understanding. Though it costs everything you've got. I think that's part of the reason there's not a whole lot of wisdom in our culture today. And that is because there's a price attached to it. And it's probably different than what you think it is. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But it might cost all that you have. So there's not many people willing to pay the price for wisdom in their life. And yet Solomon says it's the wisest thing you can do. King James Version says it's the principal thing. It's the wisest thing. It's the idea, it's the foundation that wisdom is the catalyst for a lot of the other things that you want in life. You want to have a great marriage. I promise you, you will need wisdom to have that. You want to raise great kids. You need wisdom. You want to have great relationship with the people in your life. You want to have a great career, build a great company for the kingdom of God. It would be wisdom that would allow you to make the decisions and to do that. It's wisdom that we need to have in our lives. Everything in your life begins with it. So he goes on in chapter 4 to elaborate on it. He says, cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. We've talked a lot this summer over leaving a legacy, over having this opportunity to impact the world for the kingdom. You want to do that, you need wisdom. You want to have this this honor. You want to leave something after you that actually impacts for the kingdom of God. You're going to need wisdom to do that. He says, listen, my son, watch this in the next verse. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. And when you run, you will not stumble. A lot of people think I'm going to make that decision. It's going to set me back five, ten years. No, wisdom says you can run fast and you can run hard. And your steps will be guarded by wisdom of God that orders your decisions. That you can make those decisions, that it won't set you back, that God will give you the wisdom and the insight to do what you need to do. Don't set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Travel, turn from it and go on your way. You know, you need wisdom for your relationships. You study the life of Solomon. He had incredible wisdom in the treaties he made, in the people that he allowed as allies and the ones that he brought in. He had incredible wisdom. And when he lost that wisdom is when he fell off the boat, everybody. When he decided not to apply his wisdom to his relationships. And it's what turned him away from God later on in his life when he let his wisdom fall by the wayside and went after his emotions and his flesh instead. You want relationships around you. You're going to have to have wisdom in choosing those things. It says, in the path of the righteous, like the morning sun shining ever brighter every day. So the question all of us should be asking today then is, how sh- what should I do in order to get wisdom? How do I get wisdom into my life? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked everybody. So we're going to spend the rest of our time in James chapter 1, verse 5, because I think it gives us a beautiful picture as New Testament Christians of what it means to get wisdom, what it means to get wisdom in God. So James starts it out this way. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And so if we want to ask the question of how do I get wisdom, a couple of things for you. First thing, jot it down if you're taking notes. Number one is you would have to recognize that you need it. So that's the easy one today, everybody. All right, we're just going to check that box off right at the beginning. You got to recognize that you need wisdom. You get to a place where you say, I don't have it. I need to get it. And I think James is being a sweet pastor here because James says if. And I like that James starts, if any of you lacks wisdom, because James is doing what is called self-discovery. He is leading his congregation to a moment where they just have, and it's incredibly effective. Don't get me wrong, everybody. He's leading them where they can decide for themselves, ah, 
I need wisdom. I'm just going to shortcut the process today because I am not as gracious as James. As James, All of you need wisdom. All of you, myself included, all of us need wisdom. All of us don't know what to do. All of us are lacking in wisdom. So James says, if I love James Ford, he's being very nice to his people. We don't have that luxury today. We're going to shortcut. All of us need wisdom. I promise you, you will come to situations that even when you think I am the greatest decision maker, you will come to situations where you don't know what to do. All of us need the wisdom that we ask God for. All of us don't know what we're doing. And if you think you know, Proverbs 3, let's go back to our friend Solomon. Solomon says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Because honestly, that's the sin of youth, everybody. If I could just draw your memory back to maybe high school or college, maybe we are in that. How many of you, all of us, I would say, all of us are in high school or college thinking, if we could just get all these old people out of the way, we could fix some things. Come on, somebody. I I know what to do. I know it's all so simple to me. And so if we could just, grandma and grandpa could just stop making decisions, we could actually get some things going. We get some momentum around here. All of us in every stage of life think if that next generation would just get out the way, we would know what we needed to do. We got all the answers. We got all. That's honestly the sin of youth. We're wise in our own eyes. But all of us have to come to the place we recognize we don't know what to do. And there is a beauty to youthful insight and youthful influence. We value that here at Victory. But we cannot discount those who have gone before us because we are wise in our own eyes. We cannot discount wisdom that goes on the path before us. We can't discount those things thinking we need wisdom to make those decisions. So then once we recognize that, number two, jot it down if you're taking notes, then we have to recognize where we get wisdom from. I think a whole lot of us maybe are okay with number one. We know we lack wisdom, but then we have to figure out where we get it from. Because it says, if you lack it, ask of God and he'll give it to you. But too many of us, we understand and recognize that we need wisdom. And then we ask Google, come on, somebody. We ask Google, what should I do with my life? We put in all our parameters and everything we like. We ask somebody else. We go everywhere else in our life to find direction for the life we are living except for God. Because we, we just feel like if we can just type the thing in, it'll be the first or second link. Come on. It will never be on the second page. I don't know anybody who's ever gone to the second page of Google. But it will be right there in the first. And we think we have it all together. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if anyone lacks wisdom, let him go to God and ask him for it. That's what Solomon did. That Solomon asked God, I lack wisdom. Second Chronicles, he said, give, this, give me wisdom and knowledge so I can lead these people. I can fulfill the purpose you gave me. Give me the wisdom I need. I recognize you are the one. That's why he says in Proverbs chapter 9, he says, Then the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You know what this verse is not saying? It's not saying if you are afraid of God, then you are smart. That's not what he's saying. That word fear there is not that word in the Hebrew. It's this awe or reverence of God. It's this understanding of God is God and I am not. It's this understanding that he is God, I am not, and I understand my place in this relationship. That's the beginning of wisdom, everybody. Putting myself where I belong to be. I don't know that many things. I don't know the right things to do, but I know who God is, and I know where he's supposed to be in the throne of my life. And so the beginning of wisdom, it says, putting God on the throne. I recognize I don't have answers. I don't know what step it is to take. And when we put ourselves in that position, then we know that we seek the Lord for wisdom. It'd be natural to seek God for wisdom, understanding we need it, understanding that he is the Lord of our life. He has the wisdom that we need. And then number three, the thing we have to finally recognize then is how he gives it. I think there's a lot of context lost in this verse particularly because we speak English, everybody, but this verse was written in Greek. I don't know if that's a shock to you, but I think there's a lot of context because English is a limited language. 
It's not, a, I know we do the best we can with it, but English is, some of you do the worst you can with it, but English is a limited language. And so we've got to look at the context of the verse to understand just how good our God is in the way that he gives, in the way that he brings wisdom in our life. Because in the Greek word, I want to focus first on this word give, because on James chapter 1, verse 5, and he says, ask God who gives generously. That word give in the Greek is in the present tense. It's this, this attribute of God that he is the giver, that he is constantly, continually giving. That he continue. You know why he gives continually? Because he knows we need it continually. Come on, so we're going to need mercy new every day. We're going to need his grace continually. We need continually. And so he gives this wisdom. God is a give, giver who gives continuously. He gives continually in our lives because he knows we run into situations. We actually read this verse last week in Matthew chapter 6. He knows we run into situations. Jesus promised this in Matthew 6. He said, today has enough trouble of its own. Tomorrow will have trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble. How many went home and wrote that promise on your fridge? Anybody went and wrote? Yeah, me neither. I didn't write that thing on my... That tomorrow will have enough trouble of its own. I don't like that promise. That we will always, in this world, you will have trouble. That's not my bumper sticker. I'm going to name it and claim it. That's not my thing, all right, everybody? But it's a promise Jesus gave us that we will have trouble in this world. That he's overcome the world, but we're going to face troubles in this world. That we're going to face these things. And so he knows that we need it continually. And so God is a God who gives continually. Some of us think, well, if I'm going to get wisdom from God, it's better be a doozy because I'm only get like one shot at this thing. No, he gives it continually, knowing you're going to have different decisions tomorrow. Knowing you're going to come up against different things. Knowing that you're going to need him again and again and again. You run into these situations. Every day is going to be full of trouble. Every day things are going to break or mess up. Every day you've got to make decisions. Every day your kids will break something and not tell you. Come on. And you will find out when you go to flush the toilet like we did. Come on, somebody. Like, why? Did you, did you put the whole toy in the pipe? Did you? Every day you will need wisdom from God. Every day we're going to need this. And so it says he gives it continually every day. So we go back to our verse. And then I love this word. He says he not only gives it continuously, he gives it generously to all. That he gives it generously. You do a really in-depth word on that word generously. And it means generously, everybody. All right. That's real deep for you today. It's like this idea of a never-ending supply. This bountiful supply, this idea that God never runs out. No matter how many people come to him, no matter how many people seek God for wisdom, he doesn't run out of wisdom. God's not like, I'm all out today, come back tomorrow. We'll restock the shelves on Tuesday. God never says that. It says this bountifully, he gives generously to all who ask him. God never reaches this place that we call decision fatigue. And if you've not heard of that, there's a lot of studies that go into this psychology of making decisions. That the more decisions that you make, whatever they are, big or small, that you make decisions about what to eat, what to wear, where to go, where to have lunch, what to do with this building or what to do with that thing, what to do with that meeting. You make enough of those things that compound on each other till you reach a point, maybe at the end of the day or the end of the week, where you have decision fatigue, where it's like, I cannot make one more decision in life. I do not care and I will not do it. And some of you are thinking, I have lived at that place for a few years. Come on, you have, I finally understand what's happening to me. We reach that point, of, and I can just be honest with you, around here with a lot of the stuff we have going on on campus, I reach this point early in the week, all right? I get there, I usually get there like Monday afternoon or Tuesday. That's just my, where I reach decision fatigue. 
And so we were riding in the car one time. This was a few weeks ago. We were riding in the car, and I had reached that point. It was like midweek, but my family were going somewhere. And my kids, I love my kids. All right? They're the greatest thing in the world. I love them so much. They are amazing. But one of them is just asking me questions on this day. Just what about this, and what about that, and what about... And I love questions. What I do not love are questions for the thousandth time. Come on, parents. Where are you at in this room? Like at some point, I'm just like, refer to question number 32 because I've already answered this 17 times. And I love, and unfortunately that day I had just reached my, my limit. And I was just like, okay, enough. No more questions. Quiet time. No more, no more questions. No more answering. Just, we're just going to sit silent. We're going to sit quiet. How many are happy God never does that? God's never like, okay, enough. No more questions. Like we're just going to sit quiet to the end of the week. We can start again on Sunday. God's never like, I, I just, I, no more, I can't take it. God never reaches the position of decision fatigue. It says he gives generously to all. That he has a bountiful supply. It's like this never-ending supply. It's kind of like Golden Corral, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> when we say, when I say bountiful supply, that's where my mind goes. I don't know about you guys. If you want to get really full for about $9.95, Golden Corral is your ticket, everybody. Because they just keep bringing out the buckets and dumping them in. They just keep... All the fried chicken and mashed potatoes in the world, they will dump into those. It's a bountiful supply. Never runs out. We used to go camp out there in college. This is just free for you today, everybody. We go about lunchtime, bring our books and our laptop, eat lunch, do a little bit of study and eat a second lunch at three o'clock. Come on, somebody. Write a paper, eat dinner at six. Come on. It was an amazing. That's just a, that's a tip for all you students out there. Because I don't know if it speaks to our culture. That in the turnover of that place, they don't even notice that you're there. They just keep filling up the buckets. They just keep, keep dumping. It is a bountiful supply. That's not the point. God gives generously, everybody. He gives generously, bountifully, never, ever runs out. It's amazing. And then the Bible says, here's my favorite part. The Bible says he gives to all without finding fault. Honestly, this is my favorite part of the verse. because It says he gives to all. God's never upset about the fact that we need to ask. He's never upset about the fact that we have to come for, for wisdom. He's not upset about the fact that we don't know. It says he gives to all without finding fault. Because the next part of this is that he gives joyfully. He gives us continuously. He never runs out. He gives it generously. But God gives it to us joyfully. He knows that we need it. He knows that we need to come to ask for it. And he doesn't find fault in us for coming to ask for it. I don't know about you, but it is in my human nature to find fault. To find fault in my kids when they ask a question for the thousandth time. To find fault in my staff when they ask the same thing for the thousandth time. To begin to look like, why do you not know this? Like, why, why do I have to? Why do you not get it? Why God never does that. God never looks down and is like, you have to ask. Why do you not know the answer? Fault. He never does that. I know in our human nature, we do that. We look at people and we're like, Fault. I told you that a thousand times. Fault. I explained it to you already in clear terms. Fault. But God doesn't look at us like that. He says he gives generously. He gives continually. But God gives joyfully that he gives without finding fault. That you don't have to be worried about the fact that you don't know the answer. I think sometimes we try to hide that too often in our culture. Nobody wants to say, I don't know. And we especially don't want to say it to God. But God says, come to me, those who want. James says, go to God if you lack wisdom. Go to him and ask for it because it's the catalyst for everything else in life. You want a great relationship, you need wisdom. You want to raise great kids, you need wisdom. Great marriage, you need wisdom. It is the catalyst for everything else. And we need to know that we don't know and where we need to go to get wisdom. And that's from God. Here's the problem. Most of us will hear that 
The message today, we'll hear some verse like this about wisdom. We'll think, well, now I just got to get a wisdom download. I just got to go find God. That's not how God works. God doesn't just give us the stuff and then leave us on our own. God gives us himself. The Bible talks about this. He doesn't give us this magic formula. You know, the Bible says the fruit of the spirit, right, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not you go to God and pray, well, I just need a download of patience. God, I just need like enough love for the next three days. I just got to get that in my life. No, it says it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a byproduct of the Holy Spirit being in your life. That all of these things then come. That you don't need to be more patient. You don't need more love. You don't need more gentleness or kindness or self-control. You need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Not that He gives you wisdom, but He gives you the Spirit of wisdom. It's why Paul prayed in Ephesians. He prayed this thing. He said, I keep asking. He said, why did you keep asking? Because we keep needing it, everybody. I just, I, I think Paul threw that in there for us. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. That word spirit is capitalized there. It's the pneuma, but it's, it's used in this verse to reference the Holy Spirit, that he would give you the spirit of wisdom. Paul said, I keep asking in revelation so you may know him better. That word revelation is used in this context. Sometimes it's used as a revelation of his word. Sometimes it's used as a revelation of his grand plan. This one is used as a revelation of God's purpose for you. That he says, I pray that the Holy Spirit would give you wisdom. That he'd give you revelation. That you would know what God has put you on this earth for. That you would have this understanding of the purpose God has for your life. That's my prayer for you, church. I don't know if I've told you this. I've probably told you eight times before the summer is out. My prayer for you is you would find your purpose on this earth, that you would see what God has called you to do. That he would give you a spirit of revelation. He would give you a spirit of wisdom. That God would put that on you, that you would begin to understand and to see clearly, that it would make complex things obvious. That you would see the direction that you're supposed to go, that you would see where God has called you, what he has called you to do, what he has called you to accomplish in this world on his behalf. He would give us a spirit of wisdom that we would pray and he gives it generously, continually, joyfully to all who ask. To all, every single one of us, that we would gain a heart of wisdom. Bow your heads with me as we pray today. Father, I just thank you. God, I thank you that you do give generously and you give without finding fault. And so, Lord, we ask you for wisdom. But more than that, God, we ask you, fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would live out of the byproduct of that, Lord, that we would be filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, God, that we would live with love and joy and patience, that we would be filled with the wisdom of God, that we would know which way to take. God, I know there are those here, Father, who are facing decisions this week, facing decisions this afternoon, God, that are going through things right now. And so, Lord, there are some that are going through things that are light, but there are some who are going through things that are heavy, and we ask for wisdom in our lives. Give us wisdom, Lord. We don't have it, and so we ask you for it. And Lord, I just pray a prayer over our congregation, those watching online. I just pray a prayer, God, over all of us, that we would seek you. Lord, that we would seek you more than Solomon did, God, that we would hold fast to the truth we have found. Lord, that we would ask for more of you in our lives, and we would live out of that assurance. Every head bowed, though, today as we continue I just want to pray right now with those of you, maybe you came in today and you didn't know why you came, or maybe you're watching online or you're listening and you don't know why you stumbled on this particular moment. I just want to pray with you. Because there are a lot of you maybe that find yourself far from God today. And you go through the motions and you do all the things that seem right and you did the check boxes and you did what everybody else told you to do and you still find yourself far from him. 
Or maybe this is your first time to darken a church door and you don't know how long and you feel like everybody's looking at you and everybody's judging you. I want you to know that every eye is not on you and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. But I want you to know today that there is hope and there is an answer found in Jesus. And so whether you find yourself a million miles away from God and you don't know how you got there or you are running from him today, I want you to know that the heaviness and the pain and the things you have experienced, that the answer is found in Jesus. That you're listening today and you say, it sounds great about wisdom. I'd love to make decisions. I'd love to see purpose in my life, to see what God has for me. But I just, I can't seem to even find my way back to him. I want you to know that that's available to you right now. That nobody else is looking around. Nobody else is judging anyone. All of us are rising and falling before our own master. And so right now, I just want to give you an opportunity to meet Jesus. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to give something. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not going to take you to some room after the service. I want you right here, right now to make a decision. I'm not in this to embarrass you. I'm in this to introduce you to the Savior. And so right now, if you say, that's me. Nobody else looking around, but you say, that's me. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer of surrender. Because it starts with surrendering our life to him. Your journey with Jesus starts with full surrender to him. It starts with repentance of your sin and following after God. Right now, we can pray that prayer together. And I can give you the words, the church, we're going to pray it with you. Nobody prays alone. But you need to say these words and you need to mean them. So if you want to make that decision right now, I promise you, Jesus promises he would make you new. He promises that he waits for you to call on him. He promises that in that moment, you can be saved. And so right now, church, let's pray it with them. Say these words. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin, of all my mistakes. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life in Jesus' name. And Father, as we close today, I pray one more time. God, I thank you for these people. I thank you for this congregation, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives, God. And I thank you that we can come to you in the darkest moments. We can come to you in the most anxious moments. We can come to you in the most difficult decisions. And you give wisdom in those moments. We thank you that you give the Holy Spirit as our guider, as our comforter, as our counselor, God. We thank you that you have promised us that you give freely, generously, without fault. And so, Lord, we come to you one more time. And we say, God, like the king in the Old Testament, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. We say, like David, God, give us a heart of wisdom. We say, Lord, like Solomon, let us follow after with everything we've got, though it costs us everything. And Lord, we ask you one more time, give us more of yourself, more of the Holy Spirit that we could live out of that, more of the Holy Spirit that others would see us as an example, more God, not that we would be made great, but that we would make you great. We pray all of it in Jesus' name. We'll give you all of the glory and all of the praise. And all God's church said amen and amen. Come on, can we give God praise for what he's done today?